I'm Kelsey Hill, and welcome to this week's episode, where we have special guests here to tell us the famous story of Richard Hash's tax evasion. Olivia and Mary Catherine, would y'all like to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Olivia Ball. Thank you for having us here on this week's episode. Yes, and I'm Mary Catherine Hyde. We're excited to tell you and your listeners about Richard Hatch and his tax evasion, which is one of the most famous tax evasion cases in history. Before we start, I'm going to give the listeners a little bit of background information on what exactly tax evasion is. Tax compliance, that is, getting people to actually pay the taxes that they owe, has always been a complicated issue for the IRS to understand and control. This is simply because there is a wide variety of reasons why people choose not to pay their taxes, as well as a multitude of strategies used to try to conceal income. A Journal of Forensic and Investigative Accounting article mentions that in 2016 alone, the IRS estimated a $458 billion gross gross tax gap, which makes tax compliance a very pressing issue today in our society. Not only does this issue raise the yearly taxes owed for otherwise compliant taxpayers, but it also reduces the amount of adequate public services the government can provide to its citizens. Now that I've discussed a little bit about what tax evasion is, I'm going to tell you about Richard Hatch's life leading up to his tax evasion. Throughout most of his life, Richard Hatch was your average American taxpayer. He grew up in a small town in Rhode Island and went on to become a student at six different American universities before finally graduating. Over the course of his lifetime, Hatch worked various jobs like bartending, sales, real estate, corporate consulting, and even as a soldier in the Army for a short time. However, his life made a complete 180 in 2000 when he decided to sign up for the very first season of a new TV show called Survivor. The contestants on this reality game show are flown out to Malaysia and divided into teams. Essentially, the objective of this game was to survive in the wilderness and to ultimately be the last person standing when it's all said and done. In addition to the fame and recognition that would come with being the victorious survivor, the winner was awarded $1 million, and on the very first season, that lucky winner was none other than Richard Hatch. The survivor win brought him not only the prize money and a new car, but also eventual income from TV appearances, speaking at events, and a salary from being a radio talk show host. Going from leading a seemingly average lifestyle to becoming a millionaire almost overnight, Hatch's life certainly would never be the same, but not in the ways that he had hoped. Olivia and Mary Catherine, would you all like to explain the details of his tax case? Sure, Kelsey. After the show is over, the Survivor Entertainment Group prepared one check for Hatch's prize of $1 million dollars and one check for $10,000, which was for his appearance on the After the Finale show. Hatch immediately deposited the first million-dollar check into his personal bank account, and he endorsed the $10,000 check over to a construction company to work on a rental property he owned. In early 2001, Survivor producers sent Hatch a Form 1099 miscellaneous that showed his total income of $1,010,000. Following this receipt, Hatch hired a CPA to complete his 2000 tax return. He handed over all his tax documents, which included the Form 1099 miscellaneous that showed his prize winnings. All in all, the completed tax return would show taxes due of $374,831, plus $66,670 in interest and penalties. Upon receipt of his 2000 return, Hatch thanked his CPA and told him that he would file the return with the IRS, but he never did. Later that same year, Hatch hired another accountant, who was a family friend. He again handed over his tax documents, including the Form 1099 miscellaneous, 
showing the income of $1,010,000. However, this time he told his accountant that he had paid 20% of his winnings to an, to an agent and a manager that the show had required him to obtain. Additionally, he did not mention that he owned rental property, but that he had no rental income per, from his property. So, in 2001, this new accountant again gave Hatch a completed 2000 tax return. This return did include the survivor prize winnings, but it left off various income items that were shown on the first return, resulting in a tax balance due of $234,807. Hatch again told his accountant that he would file the return with the IRS, but he never did. After those events in 2002, now two years since he had won the survivor, the IRS sent Hatch a substitute for return notice stating that they had not received his 2000 tax return. The notice listed the income amounts that were known to them through other third-party returns. However, the notice did not include the survivor prize income, but it did include a disclaimer that stated if income amounts were incomplete on any part of this notice, he could not simply sign and accept the IRS's calculations. After reading this, Hatch gave the notice straight over to his family friend, who told him that he would need to file a correct return that included all of his income, including the $1,010,000. After this conversation, Hatch asked her what his taxes due would have been if he had not received the prize money. She offered to prepare a spreadsheet with that analysis, but he insisted on having the information in the form of a completed tax return. Following his request, the accountant prepared a hypothetical 2000 tax return that left off the survivor income, which claimed that Hatch's income was negative, which resulted with a refund due of 4483 She advised on both orally and in writing that stated, I have prepared the enclosed return for you per your request in order for you to see the impact that you, the survivor winnings had on your tax situation. This return is not intended to be filed, but is simply for your information. Hatch signed a letter in her presence that he would not file this return with the IRS. Later that same day, Hatch signed and mailed the tax return to the IRS. While the $1,010,000 was certainly the biggest income item off the 2000 return, there were also other items that Hatch chose to omit. These included rental income, 9 out of 12 months of his salary income from being a radio talk show host, and the value of the car that he had also won from being a contestant on The Survivor. He also set up a fake charitable organization that allowed him to take charitable contribution deductions for his income that he ultimately passed off onto himself. Yeah, Mary Catherine, and this deceit continued on both his 2001 and 2002 tax returns, and in 2003, Richard Hatch unsurprisingly received a notice from the IRS that they would be auditing his 2000 tax return. After thorough investigation into Hatch's finances, the IRS sent their report to the tax division of the U.S. Department of Justice, who later sent the same report to the U.S. Attorney's Office. In 2004, Hatch received a letter to notify him that the U.S. attorney would be holding a criminal investigation with respect to his violation of the tax code. Wow, that's a crazy story. Can you tell me more about what happened to him after that? Like, did he end up going to trial? Yes, he faced many charges. In 2005, the U.S. attorney handed Hatch's case to the District of Rhode Island, where he was charged with two counts of tax evasion, one for his 2000 return and one for his 2001 return. The government also claimed that Hatch had knowingly devised a scheme to obtain money and property in the form of charitable contributions by the means of fraudulent representations. This gave him two counts of wire fraud related to the faxes sent, four counts of mail fraud related to the use of postal service to mail the checks, and one count of bank fraud related to fraudulent checks that Hatch had deposited. And Kelsey, yes, he also did end up going to trial. Facing all these charges... Hatch hired a lawyer and proceeded to plead not guilty to everyone. 
He even stated to reporters outside his arraignment, I am not guilty, I have always paid my taxes, and I always will. The allegations are hysterical. In 2006, his actual trial began. Hatch's defense lawyer even agreed that the tax returns in question were, quote, completely and totally wrong. He said that, quote, Hatch is not a stupid man, but he is the world's worst bookkeeper, and that it was for common it was common for a person with a sudden increase in money to make mistakes in tax returns. He claimed that Hatch had not intended to evade paying his taxes, but that the tax code was complex and that everyone makes mistakes. Witness after witness testified that Richard Hatch did in fact know what he was doing when he lied on his returns. One witness, even being his family friend, who called him out for knowingly filing the incomplete 2000 return. In order for someone to be found guilty for tax evasion, a jury must decide that the defendant owed more tax than was paid. They intended to evade the payment of taxes and they willfully and intentionally omitted amounts that they knew were subject to tax. On the next day, the jury announced their verdict of guilty on all tax evasion counts and not guilty on all the other fraud-related counts, like the wire and mail fraud. Following this, Richard Hatch was sentenced to 51 months with an order that he have mental health counseling because, quote, you are in a state of denial that I observed at trial and at this hearing. Hatch was also ordered to file amended tax returns for 2000 and 2001 and to pay all taxes due. Even after he was found guilty, Hatch still stated, quote, I believe I have been completely truthful and completely forthright throughout the entire process. In the last four years, I have done everything I could do. And after all of this, Hatch had tried to file an appeal with the U.S. Court of Appeals for the First Circuit, but all of his claims were denied. In 2009, after serving 39 months in federal prison, Hatch was released on good behavior to serve the rest of his sentence on house arrest. In 2009, he still had not paid any of his taxes he owed to the IRS, resulting from his 2000 and 2001 returns, and by April 2010, the IRS issued a notice of deficiency and a notice of jeopardy assessment against Hatch that amounted to about $1.7 million. In December 2010, Hatch was charged with violating the terms of his supervised release as he still had not paid any of his delinquent taxes. During the trial for this violation, an IRS agent confirmed that Hatch had the ability to file the amended tax returns and he had not yet done so. All Hatch had to do to get out of prison and move on with his life was pay the taxes he owed, yet he still denies that he ever did anything wrong. In an October 2011 handwritten letter to the IRS, Hatch claimed that he owed them nothing and was pursuing a strategy to be exonerated from all charges. This claim was obviously denied, and Richard Hatch ended up serving his entire sentence down to the very last day. Wow, the fact that he went through all of that and still today thinks that he did nothing wrong is a little concerning. Right? That is why me and Mary Catherine have been so fascinated with this story. Well, I think that's all the time we have left for this week's episode. But thank you both so much for coming and telling my listeners this story. I hope this reminds everyday taxpayers how important it is to pay your taxes. Well, thank you so much for having us.